So we do need to listen, don't we? Well, one of the things we actually do every uh, time is we talk about uh, people who live in places around the world where there are this many churches, where in their particular language, culture, and location, they have no Bibles, no churches, they have no way to hear about Jesus. You'd be amazed how many they are. But you know what God's doing in these last days is he's moving those people all over the world. Like, uh, you would be amazed to know how many Gujaratis from Gujarat, India, do you think live in our area? 14,000. 14,000 unreached Gujaratis live in North Carolina. Do you know how many live in Mozambique, East Africa? These are Gujaratis from India. What are 26,000 Gujaratis doing living in Mozambique, Africa? You know what Jesus is doing in these last days? He's moving people from all over the world into different places so that instead of being unreached, miracles can bring them to the Savior. I read yesterday, does anybody know where the Netherlands is? The Netherlands? There are 91,000 Algerians from Algeria, North Africa that live in the Netherlands. 91,000. So I'm going to read just the ones that live in North Carolina. You'll be amazed. This is just in our state. There are 25,000 Hindus from India that speak Hindi who live in North Carolina. 25,000. 14,000 Gujarati. There are 6,300 Urdu Muslims who've never been reached with the gospel who live in North Carolina. 12,000 Hindus from Punjabi, North India live in the triangle. 3.5 thousand Tamil people from Tamil Nadu, India live here. The man I met, 7,200 people who speak Telugu who have never known Jesus live here. Isn't that amazing? 1,500 from Turkey, 5,500 Persians from Iran live here. 1,000 Afghanis who haven't been reached live here. Over a quarter million of them live in one city, Fremont, California. 2,000 Pakistanis live here. 5,600 Russians, 5,900 Ukrainians. The huge unreached people group, the 40 million Hausa people from Africa, never been reached with the gospel. 2,200 live in North Carolina. Mind-boggling. 3,780 Wolof people, North Carolina. 1,725 Somalis live in North Carolina. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, 77,000 Somalis from Africa live in Minneapolis. I met one just the other day when I was at Chick-fil-A, an Eritrean. 1,250 people from Eritrea live in North Carolina. Isn't that mind-boggling? So what we're talking about is God is shaking up the world by taking people from every race, culture, language, and place and moving them all over this planet. Isn't that unbelievable? So before we go to the Word of God, I'd like to specifically pray for God to do miracles reaching those people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for the Gujaratis and the others. Father, it's hard to believe there are 14,000 Gujaratis that live in North Carolina. I met one. I met one who was, uh, uh, had moved uh, from Africa to here, from Gujarat, India, to Africa, to Canada, to Raleigh. 
and these people have never been reached with the gospel. In their language, their culture, and their location, there's never been a single church ever, not one. And Lord, we read about all these different unreached people groups. So our concern is not just for us who are in this room. Our concern is for every race, every culture, every language, and every place. And we're inviting you, Jesus, by the power of the cross to destroy the works of the devil that bind us and blind us and open up hearts so that your great love will reach every single race, every single culture, every single language, and every single place on this planet. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. 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 Did you say Algerians in the Netherlands? 91,000 Algerians. Isn't that amazing? So North Africa. So I'm going to actually do something a little different today. It's good for us to be flexible, isn't it? So uh, it's funny, uh, Bob actually said to me, so we're going on what Bob said. So Bob got in my van today. Uh, Bob got in my van today, and he sat down, and he said, Wow, Pastor Brian, look at all of us who are coming to church. And he said, uh, Pastor Brian's moving. And then I said, I'm not moving. And then you looked at me, Bob, and you said, God is moving. Isn't that the words out of your mouth? That's exactly what you said. God's moving, and I believe that. I mean, I prayed for Nancy for a long, long, long time and never had the joy of seeing you worship with us. Prayed for Griffin. I pray for you almost every day, almost every day, and for Bob and for Sam. You're all on my prayer list, and you know what? I know that God also wants to speak to Joel and to every one of us in this room today. Amen? So I'm actually use a little bit different scripture we've talked about in the past, and then uh, we're going to share that, and y'all can talk to me too, and then we'll see what the Lord's going to do, all right? So I'm going to read it to you out of the last book in the Bible, amen? So does anybody know what the last book in the Bible is? Revelation. Revelation. You're exactly right. Did you hear that? Very impressed. <laughs> he said, almost as quick as mom, huh? Well, I'm going to read from the very first chapter of the very last book of the Bible, all right? And then we're going to talk about this just a little bit, okay, and see what the Lord might have for us. So Revelation chapter 1, I'm going to start from verse 5. It's specifically talking about Jesus Christ. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? And it's going to tell us nine things about him. Can you listen? It says, Jesus Christ is the great faithful witness... He is the firstborn from the dead. He's the ruler of every single king on this earth. And he loves us. And he has released us and set us free from the power of our sins. He's made us part of his kingdom so we can have priests and access to God as our father. And to Jesus belongs all the glory and all the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And behold, he came one time. What's he going to do? He's coming again. Do you know that? Do you know he's coming again? Did you know that? Behold, he is coming again with the clouds, and every single eye will see Jesus, even the very people who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, even so, amen. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come. I am the Almighty. Amen? 
So I could talk about those nine things, but I actually want to talk about something a little bit different that I do sometimes here. They're kind of used to it. Those of you who've come might not, so can you hold up nine <laughs> fingers? Everybody hold up nine fingers? Nine fingers. Bob certainly knows about it because he actually told me, uh, and who was it texted me just the other day about perfect Jesus? I got a text because people have heard me say perfect Jesus so many times uh, that uh, they text me about it. It's kind of hard holding up nine, so we'll start just with three. So just hold up three. So how many threes do we need to make nine? Yeah, math, impressed. So we're going to do three threes, okay? We're going to do the first threes. And you get to repeat after me. Can you say perfect creator? Perfect birth? Perfect life. Jesus is the perfect creator. Isn't that amazing? Jesus created everything out of nothing by the word of his power and spoke it into existence. And not only does it exist because he created it, but it continues to exist. The fact that that tree is still living and the sun's still shining, that you're still walking. Jesus created everything out of nothing by his power. And the same way you plug something in there and electricity flows through it, if the power of Jesus wasn't still flowing, everything would instantly cease to exist. Isn't that mind-boggling? You don't even think about that. So everything in the world exists because he created it, and the only reason it continues to exist is his power keeps it existing. Do you know that every one of us in this room, boom, we cease to exist except the power of Jesus is keeping you alive, making your heart beat and making your lungs breathe. Everything, and that's not just us, it's the physical creation too. He created how much? Everything. Everything. He is the almighty, glorious, powerful, infinite creator. But he left heaven and came to what? Earth. So he had a perfect birth. He chose over 2,000 years ago to enter into a no-town place called Bethlehem and a young lady named Mary that hardly anybody knew about, and he chose to be conceived in her womb. But she hadn't had relationships with a man, had she? She hadn't. She was a virgin. She was a virgin. And yet, can you imagine being her? Can you imagine being a young lady and all of a sudden you can feel a baby kicking in your belly and you know that you never had relationships with a man? You're going, how'd this happen? How did this happen? So the perfect creator had a what? Perfect birth. And then he lived what kind of life? A perfect life. Every second of his life, perfect life, everything he thought, everything he felt, everything he said, everything he did, he was betrayed by people who loved him, denied by people who loved him, mocked by his own family, rejected by his ethnic people, ridiculed, made fun of. Every day of his life was a day of being persecuted, ridiculed, mocked, made fun of, and he left heaven for that. Why? So that he could live that perfect life for you. I tell people all the time, you know what makes you right with God? It's not who you are and what you do, but who Jesus is and what he did. I actually give this illustration, Bob. It'd be like if you had a job at Walmart and you work regularly and get a paycheck, but for one week, for one week you're sick. So you miss work and I work for you. So I worked in your place. But at the end of the week, the boss sent you a check anyway. And so you're an honest guy, so you contacted the boss and you said, boss man, you made a mistake. Pastor Brian worked for me. I didn't work. Why are you paying me? 
And your boss says, Pastor Brian did all the work, but he gave all the credit to you, so you got credit for what he did. You see how great that is? So that's what it means about Jesus' perfect life. It means that Griffin's report card in heaven, did you know you have a report card, Griffin? About every word and thought and feeling and action you've done every second of your life. But the greatest news in the world is if you're a believer, your report card is Jesus' is not yours. So you actually get judged. You get judged on the life he lived 2,000 years ago, not your life. Is that good news? <laughs> to know that I'm going to be judged based on the life that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, not my life. Isn't that good news? That perfect life's pretty important, isn't it? That perfect life is unbelievably important. So the next three, hold up your fingers. Not only a perfect, you can repeat the first three after me. Perfect creator, perfect birth, perfect life. Next three, you got it. So then perfect cross, perfect resurrection, perfect reign. So that perfect cross means that Jesus, when he was crucified, there was actually a transaction going on that only people who have eyes to see could see. He was not simply a criminal being executed outside Jerusalem on a hill with two other people, was he? No, there was something going on. What was going on? Let me tell you. Yeah, prophecy, exactly right. Prophecy was going on. And what was going on is the punishment that would have burned our body and our soul in hell forever and ever and ever was literally being poured out on his body and soul. So he literally, in a certain sense, was being spiritually burned alive because all the wrath and punishment for all our sins of all people was all in that moment being poured into the body and the soul of Jesus. He was taking the punishment. He was being crucified for what? Us. Certainly not for himself. He was being crucified for us. Is there power in that? Oh, you bet me. What the verse I just read from Revelation? It says he loves us and what? released us from our sins by his blood. So Jesus not only paid the price for the punishment of your sin, what does he want to do? People miss this all the time. They think like what Griffin said, Hallelujah, I'm forgiven because Jesus died for me. But when you talk about the cross, that doesn't get it. He didn't die just to take your punishment. He died to release you from your sins by his blood so that his power sets you free so that sin no longer has the power to control your thoughts, feelings, and desires, but you are released into a new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is power in the blood of Jesus to set people free. Watch out, she's grabbing that drink. Thank you. So the cross sets you free. Can you say the cross sets me free? Sets me free. It releases you. Perfect cross, perfect what? Resurrection. Could death hold Jesus? No. no. And uh, Sam actually asked me this one time, and it was a great question that Sam asked me. He said, uh, did Jesus decay? That was actually a good question. Sam asked me, he said, Pastor Brian, when Jesus died, did his body decay? What do you think I answered him? No, no it didn't. You know, it didn't. Because death did not have the power. Every single religious philosopher and writer and leader in all of history has died. And what happened to their bodies? They decayed. 
They claimed they knew the truth. They claimed their religion would save you. They claimed their philosophy was the answer to mankind. But sooner or later, every single religious leader or philosopher or writer dies. And what's happened to every single one of them is their body what? Decayed. But there was one person who had the power to prove that he really was truth, that he really was the only way, that he really was the God of salvation, and the only way he could prove that is if he did what? Rose from the dead. He had to show that he had the power to defeat death, sin, Satan, and hell, and the only way he could do that is getting up out of the grave. And nobody has ever done that in all of history but who? Jesus. Jesus. Perfect resurrection. Perfect cross, perfect resurrection, perfect what? Rain. So I can ask you a very good question. Where is Jesus today? He's at the right hand of the Father. Where is he sitting, so to speak? The Bible actually talks about that. He's at the right hand of the Father on the throne of the universe. You remember that passage I read from Revelation that said he's the ruler of all the what? kings of the earth. So Jesus is actually on the throne of the universe. He rules what? Everything, everywhere, every second. Can you say everything? everything. Everywhere? everywhere? Every second. Jesus is the ruler. He's not only had a perfect cross and a perfect resurrection, he has a perfect reign. He is on the what? Throne. He rules everything, everywhere, every single second. Bob said, I think Jesus is on the move when y'all were coming to church today. And he was partially right, really 100% right, because Jesus ordained that you would be here today. Amen? Perfect what? Rain. Okay, so let's do the first six again to make sure you're not completely asleep. Can you repeat after me? Perfect creator. Perfect birth. Perfect life. Aren't you glad your report card is Jesus' life 2,000 years ago, not your life? Yes. Hallelujah. That you get judged on who He is and what He did, not on who you are and what you did. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Perfect creator, perfect birth, perfect life. Then perfect what? Cross. The punishment that would have burned your body and soul and health forever was all put on Jesus. How much is left for you? Nothing. He not only took the punishment away, He released you from your sins by the power of His blood so you could be freed from the power of sin. How many of you have ever figured out that sin is a powerful ruler? Any of you figured out that sin's powerful? Any of you struggled against it and failed? Do you sometimes feel like it's a tyrant and you're its slave? It doesn't have to be that way because Jesus wants to release you from its power by His blood so that instead of being ruled by sin and its power, you can be ruled by Him and His love. Do you want sin and its power to rule you or Jesus and His love? You really can. You can be ruled by the power of the love of Jesus so that sin will be broken and it no longer will control you. Aren't you tired of your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, your action, and your speech being controlled by sin? You don't have to be. Sin is a tyrant, and Satan wants to do nothing but lie, steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to destroy you. But the power of the blood can set you free so it doesn't destroy you. Hallelujah. 
Perfect cross. Perfect resurrection. Jesus proved he is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He's the only religious leader and philosopher and teacher who's ever lived that can save your soul. All the others are false. He is the one true living God who made man and saved sinners. All the other many are false, dead, man-made, and they cannot save. There is one person who can save your soul, and his name is Jesus. And the resurrection proves he really is what he said he is. So verse 6, you got him good now? <laughs> and he's right. Perfect creator, perfect what? Birth, perfect life. Perfect cross, perfect resurrection, perfect reign. And so we're going to do the last three. Perfect gospel, perfect return, and perfect forever. Jesus has a perfect gospel. What does gospel mean? It means good news. And it's so good that I don't believe good is a good enough word <laughs> to describe the goodness of the gospel. Because the gospel means Jesus can come to Brian and his filthy, dirty soul. He can come into the deepest parts of my soul and clean me from the filthy, dirty sin, heal me from my sin sickness, free me from my sin bondage, make me brand new, fill me with his life, his light, and his love, not only now, but forever and forever and forever. He can really change you. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. You know, Sam said it's so true. Uh, and y'all, you were probably there, Nancy, the time he actually said it. He said, Pastor Brian, the problem, I'll never forget that sentence. The problem with us is we don't really want to be changed. We're content in our misery. Pastor Brian, the problem is we don't really want to be changed. We want to stay like we what? Are. We're content in our misery. Well, Jesus. You're exactly right, and that's the good news. And you know what? Jesus doesn't want you to be unchanged. And that's the joy of this gospel. He has the power to change you. Can you say that? You say, Jesus has the power to change me. The gospel can change me. Do you believe that? It's a perfect gospel. This good news can really change you. So that you don't just live in the same rut, the same sin, the same bondage. This gospel has the power to clean you, heal you, free you, and change you. I want you to say those four things. Heal me, clean me, free me, change me. The gospel has the power to really clean you, really heal you, really free you, and really change you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, perfect gospel, then perfect what? Return. Jesus is coming again. Do you realize that? He really is. And if you have ears to hear what the Spirit says, Maranatha, Pastor Joseph, Jesus is coming soon. And it said what I read you in that passage. How many eyes are going to see him? Every eye. Can you imagine that? Just think about that. The first birth, did many people see him when he came to earth the first time? No. Nah. He's in a little stable in the middle of nowhere, a few little people there, lots of animals, and most people weren't even aware that something miraculous was going on. Let me tell you what, the second coming ain't going to look like that. Every single eye, that doesn't just mean the people that are alive now, that means every human being that's ever existed in the history of creation will see the glory of Jesus more bright than this sun when he comes that second coming. Every eye will see him. 
Who does that exclude? Nobody. Every eye will see him. Even those who what? Pierced him. Even the people that put the nails in his hand. Every eye is going to see him. And it says that all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Well, let me tell you, and you really got to hear this because it's true. There are two ways to cry when Jesus shows up. Two ways. One way to cry is because you've really been changed, you've really been saved, you really belong to him, and your soul has really been changed, and your tears will be tears of joy that your Savior has come. The other kind of tears are going to be people who thought they knew him, but they didn't. And when he shows up, they know their destiny is hell forever, and they're weeping because of the judgment that's coming upon them, body and soul. Two kinds of crying, Right? I mean, listen to what Jesus said. It couldn't get more serious than this, can it? Enter through the narrow gate. Because the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, eternal destruction in hell, and many are those who go that way. But the way is narrow that leads to eternal life, and few of those will find it. Many people will say to me on the final day, Lord, Lord, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's a scary thing to be wrong about thinking that you knew Jesus when he shows up. Amen? Amen? He's coming again. Every eye is going to see him. And let me tell you, there are only two paths. Either you really, can I, can I say it one more time? Just listen real carefully. Amen? Amen? Enter through the narrow gate because the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to eternal destruction and many people are going to hell. And the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to abundant eternal life and fewer are those who find it. And many people will say to me on the final day, you're my Lord Jesus, you're my Lord Jesus and I will tell them you don't know me. Depart into eternal hell forever. You don't want to be wrong about that, do you? Nobody wants to be wrong about that. The gospel is the greatest news in the world, but there are two sides to it. <laughs> Jesus can clean you and heal you and free you and change you and give you life forever. Can you say hallelujah? But you have the will to turn your back on that and reject it and choose to live differently. Like Sam said, you have the right to say the problem with me is we don't really want to change. We're content in our misery. You can keep living in your misery if you want to. Nobody's going to force you out of it. Amen? The gospel is the best news in the world, but you have to receive it. And you know what? You have the will to reject it. You can reject it. Perfect gospel, perfect return, perfect gospel. Do you remember what number nine was? Awesome. Perfect forever. Perfect forever. I'm looking forward to forever. This life is so short. Think about it. What if you, like Methuselah, lived to be 969 years old? What's 969 years compared to eternity? Nothing. It's not even a second. It's a what? It's not even that. It's a nothing. It's a no thing. This life is a no thing. 
Your life is so short. Every one of us in this room is going to live a life, and like my good friend Dick Alexander, last week his precious Charlotte passed. Suddenly, cerebral hemorrhage, boom, Alvis, y'all know Alvis, boom, you're not here anymore. You know what happens when you die? You step into eternity. Did you think you stopped existing? You do not stop existing. When you die, you step into eternity. In this life, even if it's a billion years, is nothing compared to what? Eternity. Your life is short. You've got a very, very, very short life. Very, 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 very short. And one day, you're going to cross over and you're going to enter into eternity. And the second you enter into eternity, it will either be eternal hell or eternal heaven. You know, I'm a pastor. I've never done a funeral where people haven't told me they're better off now. Let me tell you what. If they don't know Jesus, they are not better off yet. It's the worst thing in the universe. They are not better When you die, you step into eternity. If you don't know Jesus, it's hell and it's forever. That's not better, is it? That ain't better. Every funeral I've ever done as a pastor, they're better off now. Are you sure? Jesus himself said, many people will call me Lord, Lord, and on the final day, I will tell them, you don't know me. Wow. Wow. Life is short but I'm so thankful forever. If you know Jesus, you know what happens in forever? You have a perfect body that will never, ever get sick again. You have a perfect soul that will never, ever, ever sin again. And you have a perfect new heaven and new earth with animals, I believe it, and a glorious, awesome creation, the new heavens, the new earth, new animals, new everything. And how long is it going to last? Forever. Wow. Perfect Jesus. Let's do it. And then we will close. Nine. So now you got to stick up the nine. Perfect creator. Perfect birth. Perfect life. Perfect cross. Perfect resurrection. Perfect reign. Perfect gospel. Perfect return. Perfect forever. Perfect Jesus. And just what I want to say to all of you, what I'd say to myself, and I know so many people like this. There are a lot of people that think they believe because it's all where? In their head. They'll even look at me and they'll say, Pastor Brian, I believe in the nine you just said. Jesus is the perfect creator. He had a perfect birth. He lived a perfect life. He crucified perfect, resurrection perfect, reign perfect, return gospel perfect. Don't forget that, Pastor Brian. Return perfect and forever perfect. And they'll say, I what? Believe. That'll never save you. Did you know that? Intellectual faith will never save your soul. Never. There are a lot of people that believe, and on the final day, Jesus will say, what? Never knew you. Emotion. There are a lot of people that go to church and have an emotional experience so they think they know Jesus. Does emotion save you? No. If it's just intellectually, it will not save you. If it's just emotional, it will not save you. But if it's transformational, if you plug into Jesus right here, I'm not going to stick my finger into that socket because there's what in it? Electricity. I'm not going to unplug that and stick my pinky in there, you know. 
Not a wise move because what's in there is power. Power. Do you know what happens when you plug into Jesus? If you really plug into Jesus, the power that's inside Jesus begins to flow what? In you. So you begin to experience supernatural lightning power far greater than electricity and it begins to come in your mind, in your heart, in your soul and it what? Changes you. I'll tell you what, you plug into Jesus. <laughs> it might not be overnight. It might not be overnight, but you will be changed. It happened to me when I was 26. 26, a lot older than you, Griffin. So I was 26. 26, I plugged in. I got, well, I should, you know, really say Jesus plugged into me. But all I know is when I was 26 years old, I got plugged in. And it turned my life upside down. And I've never been the same since. I'm 60 now, so however many, 60 minus 26, you do the math. Yeah. So, so what I want to pray for all y'all, whether it's you, Nancy, or whether it's you, Griffin, or you, Bob, or Sam, who runs in and out, or you, Pastor Joseph, I want every one of us to really know Jesus. I don't want us on the final day to hear the words, I never knew you. I don't want your faith to just be intellectual or just be emotional. I want it to be transformational where you plug in. And I want that power of Jesus to begin to do unbelievable things in your heart, your mind, and your life. Amen? That's the gospel. It's great, isn't it? That's the kind of faith that really connects you. It's not just intellectual, not just emotional. It's transformational. And the reason it's transformational is you've plugged into the greatest power in the universe, and that's who? Jesus. And let me tell you what, if you plug into the greatest power in the universe, that's why it's so beautiful. You literally are plugging into Jesus. And when you plug into Him, that means what's in Him flows into you. That's why these lights work, because they're connected to a power source, right? And that power is actually flowing into them. That's why they light up. So if you plug into Jesus, it means the power that's in Jesus literally flows into you. Literally. So the power that's the greatest power in the universe is actually alive in you. Ephesians 1 calls it resurrection reigning power. It says the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and the same power that he reigns with ruling everything everywhere every second can actually be in you. So the same power of the resurrection of Jesus and the same power of the reign of Jesus can literally control your mind, your body, your thoughts, your life. Isn't that unbelievable? That's what I call plug-in. And when you have that kind of faith, you've really been what? You've really been changed, really been healed, really been freed, really been made new. Do you still stumble? Yes. Make mistakes? Yes. But you know what? You've got the power. And for every one of us in this room, that's what I want, that we really have it. You know? And so I want you just to think about that. Do you have a faith that's not just intellectual or emotional? Have you really plugged into Jesus? And on that final day, will he be able to grab you with his arms and say, I love you and I know you? And you simply do it by faith. Isn't that amazing? It's just faith. Faith is so simple, but so miraculous. Because it's not just intellectual or emotional. It's the plug-in. And that's my prayer for us all. Amen? Let me pray. Father, I do thank you for perfect Jesus. Hallelujah. We can say it even as we pray. 
Our perfect creator had a perfect birth and lived a perfect life, went to a perfect cross, had a perfect resurrection, has a perfect reign, has a perfect gospel, a perfect return, and a perfect forever. Oh, how we worship perfect, perfect, perfect Jesus. And thank you, perfect Jesus, for simple faith, not just in our mind or heart, but to plug into you in all your life, all your goodness, all your power. Your word says that you came that we might have life, have it abundantly, and have it forever. You want nothing but the best for us. So I pray for every one of us in this room that we will really know you and have a faith that's not just intellectual and emotional, but transformational. Hallelujah. And I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.